Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, folks out there. Are you ready for another exciting episode of Livigno to Levy? Of course you are, because we are continuing our discussions with the pip holders. And this time around, I have Stian Berg, and he is the sprint winner. And of course, he is from Team Café Bruggeriet. And he is ready to tell us about himself, Visma Ski Classics, skiing, everything between the, uh, I guess, the earth and the sky. So, Stian, how is your life at the moment? Hello, uh, I'm fine. Um, uh, now I got a rest day today, so uh, it's uh, it's pretty chill and yeah, I'm fine. I think we, every once in a while we all need a bit of rest, correct? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, something everyone needs. So, Stian, last season, of course, it was really interesting because the, you know, the first part of the season, everything looked pretty normal. Then everybody knows what happened at the end, you know, the the pandemic and so forth. But it was a really good season for you, and you had pretty much a neck neck and neck fight with Max Novak for the sprint, uh, you know, for the sprint bib and the you know the title. Can you just tell us about a little bit, you know, how you felt throughout the season? Uh, fighting against him and then you when you finally won uh, after your amazing performance uh, at Baselopet. Uh Yeah, um, last season was a good season, I think. Uh, it was the first time I achieved a big goal that I've been dreamed about for some years now. Uh, it was not a question before the pre-season last year uh, on what my main goal for season next would be. Uh, it was uh, already decided uh, after I was uh, the third one in season nine. So when it's uh, so clear, um, it I think it's also easier to to hunt and do the right things uh, to achieve the, the goal. Um, and for sure, it was an uh, interesting fight, uh, especially with, uh, with Max. Um, he has a uh, hard uh, competitor. Uh, he's, he's extremely fast. Um, and I had to do some tactical uh, changes, uh, changes for every, every ev- event to... Um, to try to beat him so um, yeah tell us about those a little bit the tactical kind of the maneuvers you need needed to t- do uh because you mentioned when i uh, asked you to do a comment for max max's uh, podcast you were really amazed about his ability to sprint fast but then also go for the overall results as well uh yes that's uh, that's correct um Max, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really um, really impressed that he can manage to keep up the high pace uh, that long. I think maybe I I got 
the same high highest speed, uh, but uh, he can uh, have the speed longer than me. Um, so it was uh, pretty frustrating that he <laughs> uh, managed to get. Uh, in the lead group and in the peloton after the sprints but I was uh, for many after many sprints I was uh, totally finished and was uh, and I had to had to rest to before I could uh, manage to keep up the speed again but you but you mentioned those tactical maneuvers that you did kind of the tactics that you had can you give us an example, you know, because of course every race is a little bit different and every time you kind of needed to, to be prepa- prepared for what Max could do. That's uh, maybe one of the things I think it's most uh, interesting to ski in uh, Visma that uh, every, every event is uh, unique and uh, you can get a good plan before the before the race start, but uh, you have always uh, you you need to take uh, some tactical solutions uh, all the time. And I also knew that uh, if I if I want to take as much as points as I could, I need to do some. Uh, changes uh, and uh, uh, yeah, be be smart, uh, especially in the start of the uh, in the start uh, of each race. Try to save some energy where I could, uh, but also stay uh, stay in the front so I can uh, be ready for an uh, attack uh, when it uh, suits me best. Which races would you consider to be the hardest and then kind of your favorite ones in terms of the sprint points? Not the overall race, but just the sprint points. This year, I think um, maybe La Diagonela was the hardest one. Uh, I didn't fix the the high altitude uh, this season. So I need to break uh, break the altitude code. Uh, not sure how, but uh, I think it was uh, very hard to to sprint in the altitude. So I managed uh, just the one, the first sprint in uh, in La Diagonella, but not uh, the other one. Yeah, I think La Diagonella is the hardest one to do the sprints in. And which one is your favorite? The one that you like the most? It must be uh, Vasaloppe. I'm very happy how I went there. It's uh, many ways you can take sprints there and many ways you can attack uh, the race. Um, so Vasaloppe was definitely, definitely, definitely my... Uh, my event uh, the in season X, and uh, so yeah. So day before Vasalope, uh, how did you feel? Because you knew that it's going to be a close fight between you and Max, and uh, uh, yeah, the, it was a decisive kind of the decisive moment that you went so fast and so well. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty nervous. Um, uh, we had. Uh, 
team meeting in uh, at the Friday night, where we was uh, talking a bit about the race at Sunday, and Öystein uh, asked me asked me what uh, what will be my dream scenario, and then we talked about uh, breakaway and which I was the only sprinter and where we could uh, work together and hopefully get a uh, hundred of hundred possible sprint points. Uh, and I knew us, I knew that uh, my shape was good uh, in the days before. So it was, uh, it was a uh, tactical solutions. Um, uh, and yeah, I'm really happy that I tried to go in the breakaway for, yeah. Then is there anything that you would like to add or change in, in terms of the sprint competition within Abyssmus Key Classics? Uh, I like the concept uh, very well. Um, uh, maybe it uh, could be... A uh, solution to have more sprints with uh, fewer points in, for example, one or two uh, two events. But I like the concept with, uh, and I like that uh, some events are without the sprints, but uh, uh, because of it's uh, it's uh, really stressful, and uh, it is also good when I don't need to keep focus on sprinting and and uh, yeah do you also like the fact that they are sometimes quite far away from the you know the start point uh, yeah uh, I think it's uh, it's good that it, it's uh, far away from start but also uh, that some sprints are in the beginning um, uh, when it's uh, far away uh, you need to have the capacity to be in the front uh, and in the peloton. Uh, it's important that uh, the sprints also came uh, later in the races. And you have also said that you are using this as a kind of a stepping stone, very much like uh, Andreas Nigod uh, did, and Anton Carlson, who's actually returning, by the way, uh, uh, is going to do, use it for kind of the, wouldn't call it bigger things, but, you know, for the for the fight of the champion, Bip. And that is your ultimate goal, correct? Uh, yes. Um, I uh, talked a little bit with uh, Andreas. Uh, and Andreas is, uh, is, uh, is an, uh, an idol and a big star. And uh, he also started the... To fight for the green bib, and now he's uh, fighting uh, against uh, other strong skiers uh, uh, about the champion bib, um, and have also won the bib. So for me, is uh, I want to copy him, and uh, I had I have my goal uh, on the yellow one uh, in the future. And you got a bit of a taste of that when you won a Clara Leslop at the roller ski race uh, last fall, about a year ago. So uh, how did it feel? That was like the first time you you were the number one. Uh, yeah, that's uh, 
that's correct i i knew i knew in good days that i can beat everyone um like i did in claris loppe uh, so that's uh, something to take uh, with me but i i need to focus on uh, my training and uh, uh, evolve as a skier in the future uh, i see myself as a podium uh, candidate and hopefully i also will reach the dl one and that is a good segue for us to uh, step into the next topic, uh, the theme, which is training. So training-wise, Stian, how much did you change your basic training when you decided after last season, not this season, but the year before, when you decided that sprint will be your, your goal? Uh, I didn't change that uh, many things. Um, I just uh, kept up the good work with the double polling skills and did some uh, more uh, mass training. I was uh, struggling a bit uh, with my back pain, so I've been training a lot strange and... Uh, some uh, some mobility training to to be able to sprint at all but did you do any kind of special trainings with your team where you kind of mimicked or copied the uh, kind of the sprint uh, situation i knew that i was uh, fast i was a, tradi a traditional skier uh, before i started with um, with Wisma Ski Classics for two years ago. Uh, so I knew I got the sprint uh, skills, uh, especially in skate, uh, but now it uh, I had to change it to double polling and uh, be faster uh, in double polling. And yeah, we have trained uh, with, uh, I have trained a lot with my friends uh, and my, my team buddies, uh, Magnus and Vettle. We have did, uh, we have done some um, interval sessions where we have, uh, where we have finished with uh, some sprints and also did some easy long sessions with uh, shorter uh, sprints uh, added during the during the sessions. So I didn't uh, change that much uh, on my training can you give us an example of the one of those typical sessions when you and Vetle uh, uh, and uh, Magnus when you go out there and do those long trainings with sprints yeah it's uh, it's uh, a typical sessions uh, we got in the team uh, are for example three hours with uh, with uh, 30 seconds of sprinting uh, after each uh, hour, typical three to five uh, times over 30 seconds. And we also do some interval sessions, typical five times uh, 10. And yeah, don't think we do some uh, extraordinary, uh, but uh, we train uh, train good and push each other uh, 
in every every sessions. Uh, Vettel is on Magnus's uh, good uphills, and I'm uh, good in the flat parts. So we try to learn uh, of each other on on uh, every sessions. So how much do you train per year? Uh, I train uh, around. 850 to 900 uh, hours so uh, i have taken the steps year after year that's quite a lot though 900 hours is quite a lot but what's the ratio between roller skiing running cycling or whatever method to use like max novak said that he's mostly focusing on roller skiing uh yeah uh, i also do do the mostly of the time in roller skiing or skiing um, I think you have to train on what you want to be good at. Roller ski or the movement that is most similar to skiing. But I also like to vary training a lot. I also add some running uh, running sessions uh, in my training. Uh, mostly interval uh, sessions uh, on treadmill. Uh, so I can compare and have control over my body and shape during the whole year. But I don't like to um, to run slow uh, and for a long sessions. Um, uh, so running, I use running as a relief for the uh, double pulling muscles uh, for the most. Uh, but mostly all my training is... Um, is uh, roller skiing. Are you a good runner? Because there are so many good Norwegian skiers that are very capable runners. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm average, uh, I think. <laughs> uh, it, I'm okay at uh, both flat and uphills, but uh, maybe a bit uh, stronger flat. Um, but not as a uh, very fast runner. You mentioned earlier that roller skiing is the closest thing you can get to uh, n- normal skiing, skiing on snow. But how close is double poling on roller skis compared to uh, actual double poling on snow? Uh, I think uh, it's very close. Uh, especially, I think it's the most... Uh, closest thing you can do what are the differences because there are certain differences yeah can you point those out for sure uh the conditions uh, in roller skiing are um, are more fast uh and uh, constant uh the asphalt is hard and the snow is uh, uh can be hard and soft but the technique is uh pretty the same i think do you favor fast or slow skis roller skis um, i prefer standard which is for me either t3 uh, mostly but i like fast conditions um, I, I like to vary the training so i also do some sessions with uh, heavier wheels and also do some sessions where uh, uh, goes with lighter where the focus will be sprint or more pace um, yeah 
And then, of course, Lillehammer is a good place to train. That's where you guys uh, live. But do you do quite a lot of uphill skiing? That's what Lena uh, likes to do, Lena Kuskren, uh, because she uh, lives in Ore. And they have a lot of good climbs there. Uh, yeah. We, Lillehammer is a good place to live if you are a skier. We got... Uh, long uphills and also some good flat parts uh, down in the valley so we got uh, all the opportunities to to be to be good skiers here in uh, Lillehammer let's talk about your team a little bit and Lillehammer of course is a good is a place where you guys train but team Cafe Bruggeriet how did you kind of become involved and when when Vettle put this team together. Did he approach you, or you sought him out, or? It was uh, back in two thousand eight. Uh, after the season in two thousand eight, I asked Vettle uh, to take part in the team, and uh, I knew that he was the only one in his team uh, at that part. So I asked him to make something together and uh, work together to be a good team in uh, Wisma Ski Classics. So and now we are uh, now we are a growing uh, growing up team uh, with some strong contenders uh, in in each events and uh, yeah. I think we are doing uh, a great job here in uh, Lillehammer. Vettle works uh, good uh, both as a manager and a skier. And yeah, he does an insanely good job with the teams uh, and with the team. Um, and I'm uh, very impressed uh, with what he's up to. So uh, I'm uh, grateful that I got to take part in this. Uh, in this team in, back in 2018. So what have you learned from Vedle? Uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've learned how to train, how to uh, how to pre- prepare for each uh, each event, how to test skis, uh, how to uh, drink and get some food and energy during uh, training and races um, I have learned a lot uh, of Vettle uh, during these uh, two two years of course all of those are important aspects of long distance skiing but I think the preparation is something that a lot of our listeners would like to learn a little bit more about uh, how do how do you guys prepare just before the race let's say like a week before if you just kind of take us through that process a little bit and getting ready for example Vaselopin which is a good example yeah uh, the last week before a big event we mostly do easy training and add uh, one interval sessions uh, uh, three four days before the race and uh, two, three days before the, the race, we are testing a lot of skis uh, and testing a lot of uh, waxing products and uh, in different places in, 
in the in the race and we also talking uh, tactical uh, solutions uh, and where we should be placed and uh, where we need to be in the front and where we can try to rest and save some energy and and day before do you guys do sprints and stuff because a lot of teams do that they do like really short sprints day before of course each skier has his or her own kind of a method but what do you guys usually do we have uh, our own uh, methods um uh, i like to sprint uh, do some sprints uh not uh, the hardest one but uh, testing out uh, the equipment and also the body uh, mostly all the time uh, the day before the race i just skiing very easy and testing the last skis but i like uh, but i knew that um, Magnus and Vettel like to have some uh, harder, uh, short interval uh, sessions, uh, typical three times three minutes uh, with a, g- a good rest between to, to wake up uh, the body. Um, so we do a bit uh, different uh, in the team. What about energy intake? In the past, it was a kind of a trend of carbo-loading a lot before a race. Of course, that's not really the case that much anymore. But Basel, but it's a long, long race. Do you still do carbo-loading? And what do you eat and drink before a race? Yes, we we do carbo-loading carbo a lot. We eat candy, ice cream, uh, a lot of pasta and rice uh, the, day, the day before the race. But also the, during uh, the race, we need uh, energy and uh, in form of uh, sports uh, fuel and gels. Uh, and that's important to to have the most energy to to get energy. How often do you get a drink or a gel? Uh, for example, at Barcelona, but every twenty minutes or so, or. Uh, yeah, we take some drinks, uh, approx uh, 20, every 20 minutes. Uh, it depends, uh, where we got, uh, uh got, uh, support, uh, along the race, but, uh, approximately every 20, 20 minutes. Is there anything special there, just normal sports drinks and gels? Or do you add any like salt or caffeine, anything like that to kind of boost it up a bit? Uh, I do uh, a lot of caffeine, but uh, mostly before the race, uh, right uh, right before the start. Vettle like to do, uh, to take some caffeine during the during the races, but uh, uh, beside the caffeine, we we use normally sport drinks uh, and gels. 
So no wonder you guys are called coffee, <laughs> coffee boys at the team Cafe Brugeria, if you like that much caffeine. Uh, but seriously speaking, uh, that's interesting because there's also, of course, different schools uh, in terms of caffeine intake and uh, before and after and, well, not that much after, or before or during. Uh, but I don't think you drink that much coffee. You take, do you take pills or how do you take the, how do you consume your caffeine before the race? Uh, before the race, I consume uh, caffeine uh, in form of pills and uh, and also some sports uh, products. Uh, I can also take a cup of uh, coffee at the breakfast, but uh, I like to intake the caffeine as pills and uh, sports uh, products. Uh, because of too much coffee, I, uh, my stomach uh, did, uh, does not uh, like it. Yeah, you can really, the too much coffee can mess up your, your stomach. It can yeah. be really upset. But uh, then what about after a race? Now we talked about the before, kind of the carbo loads. Interesting to hear that you guys still do quite a lot of carbo loading and eating ice cream and stuff. And then during the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the race and then, of course, after that because the recovery needs to start pretty immediately. Yeah, uh, after race, we um, try to a lot of uh, drink and uh, food, uh, especially proteins and uh, carbohydrates. We are focusing on getting as much as possible after a race, but uh, it isn't uh, that easy always. Uh, not for me. Uh, sometimes I get some cramps and in my stomach after the races. Uh, so then it's uh, it's a bit hard to 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 eat and drink. So, but it's uh, of course uh, an important thing to to do after the races. I was going to ask you about that because sometimes when you're finished, like Vasil, you're so tired that the food is the last thing you think about yeah. at that stage. But at the same time, you you know that you should get started with the uh, you know the protein intake and all that kind of stuff. So I guess liquid forms, the recovery drinks are pretty good at that point. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. The stomach isn't uh, always a good friend of you uh, after the finish. <laughs> then a uh, little bit about the, uh, the uh, going kind of back to the training training uh, and things. Uh, right now, we are moving towards the, the winter. And of course, the summer is behind us. You've done quite a lot of endurance training. Uh, how much are you now changing your your training towards the, the season? Pretty soon, we will be able to train on snow. Uh, I do a lot of mass, uh, easy mass uh, training in the start of the season, in the preseason. But now in the autumn, before the uh, before the season, I I do more block periodization uh, of my training, where I divide the training after heat sessions. One week can uh, contain, for example, six uh, six. Uh, uh, heat sessions and the week after I can train only one uh, heat session. Uh, it's more high in intensity training now at uh, in the autumn uh, than 
uh, in, uh, for example, May, June, and July. So the it's more more high intensity now before uh, the winter. So you would say that block training really works for you? I think so. I've done the block uh, periodization training uh, for the last uh, three, four years. So I think it's uh, making me stronger. Speaking of that, uh, what are your strengths? How would you describe yourself as a skier? I'm a fast skier that like the flat parts. Uh, and that's my, my strength. Uh, I also like strategy and the tactical part. So that's, uh, I think that's the, my strangeness in, uh, as a skier. And what are the things that you need to put a little bit more focus on and try to improve? I need to be better uphills, especially steep uphills. Um, so uh, this year I've been working on that part. Uh, I've been doing more uh, of my sessions in uh, uphills and been uh, double pulled uh, more heat sessions uh, in uphills than before. So I've tried to do something uh, with my weakness, but uh, not that much uh, on my strengths. I, I will try to be uh, better to climb uh, the uphills this season. So this is a perfect time for us to take a break and listen to the other bib holders, the, the other winners, competition winners, and find out uh, what they think about you, how they analyze you as a skier. Hi, Andreas Nygård here. I think Stian has got everything you need to become a really, really great contender also for the yellow bib in the future. And uh, he showed this year some uh, big balls in uh, especially Vasselopper when he got in that breakaway securing the, securing the green bib and uh, fighting for the green bib gives you strength and experience and speed for the years to come and uh, I know from experience that chasing those points really takes a toll on your body and uh, the day he stops stops going all in for the green points he will be in the mix for the podium and uh, we all saw in Klarabslope last year what he could do in the last 5k. So I think races like Vasaloppet and uh, those more flat races, at least the next years will suit him the best. But with his talent, his body size and with his speed, there is no limit for Stian in the future. Hello, uh, this is uh, Max Novak. Uh from uh, Team Ramudden and winner of the youth bib. I was uh, also second in the sprint bib where, where uh, Stian Barry was uh, the one who took that bib and uh, did that in a really impressive way by uh, always going for the sprints and uh, especially what he did in Vasaloppet where he went from 
from tied with me to uh, win the bib with 100 points uh, and being in a breakaway all day that was uh, that was really something and uh, I think uh, it's gonna be even more uh, dangerous next next year. Really an impressive uh, way to win the bib and uh, I hope we'll uh, have uh, more of that combating to do uh, in the future. Morten Eidebødersen, uh, climb bib holder. It was fun skiing with Stian last uh, season. He was really focused and make a good fight for the sprint bib. And he really set down all his energy to, and uh, really focused to on each race, how make a good tactic to get much points out of each competition. It was a good winner for the sprint bib this season. And I think he also will be a strong uh, competitor for the bib the next years also. Uh, for future, I think he will be a really strong uh, all uh, competitor for the um, overall uh, bib as well. Maybe next season he can also reach the podium in uh, one of the one of the races. Stian Berg, really nice guy and uh, really cool guy to travel around with when we had the early year in uh, Team Kaffebrygger. Uh, so Stian, when you listen to these guys, I mean, great skiers, all of them, of course, uh, Nigord, uh, Mordnady Pedersen and uh, Max Snavak, how does it feel when your opponents, your dear rivals, so to speak, analyze you it's uh, it's great to hear um, these guys are idols and uh, some big uh, big legend in this uh, circus and it's of course an honor to get compliments uh, from uh, both uh, Nygaard and Heidi Pedersen and Novak um, they are good persons uh, beside being one of the biggest stars in the field so they all seem to think that you can become one of the best or maybe even the best. But when they say something like that, does it encourage you or do you get a little bit nervous about that as well? Like, oh, okay, now they really think that I will be will be as good as they are. Not really. Um, I'm driven by ambitions and passion drives me forward. And to hear that they think I'm... Uh, I will be a strong competitor in the future. is uh, It's fun to hear, and uh, I like to train hard, and uh, hopefully I will develop me as a skier, and hopefully I can uh, reach my goals and uh, what they are saying about me. Let's take a moment and give you a chance to analyze these guys. I mean, Max, of course, you already did because we had the Max's podcast where you uh, uh, offered him or gave him uh, your comments or opinion about him as a skier. But then Nigord and uh, Mordnade Pedersen, your uh, former teammate. Yeah, I can start with Morten. Um, I think it's, uh, it's sad that Morten won't be with us anymore. He have changed uh, to an, uh, another team now. Uh, for the first, I think Morten is a very good person. Um, and I got some really good friendship uh, with him last year. Uh, he's a funny guy to travel with. And we shared some good trips together uh, last year during season X. And for a second, he's 
uh, he's one of the greatest athletes in the field. He has uh, shown that he's the best climbers uh, for many years now. Um, and I was learning a lot of Morten in many ways, uh, like how to prepare for competitions. Uh, he had many thoughts about uh, how to train getting better and take the steps you need for being one of the strongest guys. So yeah, uh, Morten is a very good person and uh, we will uh, miss in Kaffebrygge, uh, but on another side, he now gives us motivation to beat him. We want to show that Kaffebrygge uh, is, is the best way to be the, to be the best one. Anything special that he brought to the table? You mentioned that he had some ideas about training. Uh, he's, uh, he's a smart guy and he, uh, I've been in this game for many years now. Uh, he got the experience um, and when you are one of the best ones, you have to listen uh, on what they are saying. Can't really pinpoint, but at least uh, he taught you how to climb, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he have, uh, learned me... Uh, Learn me something about to climb uh, pills and his uh, his technique is uh, is unique and he's uh, he's a strong climber. And then uh, Nigor. Yeah, Nigor is a he's a big legend. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's uh, he, he's a good person. Beside being one of the biggest stars in this uh, circus. Um, I've heard that uh, he have been uh, training good uh, this summer, maybe better than uh, before. So uh, he will be strong uh, also this season, I think. So both of them, uh, Modnete Pedersen and Nigor, as you said, are legends. And they've been around for a long time now. And certainly people that a lot of people look up to. Uh, but... Speaking of Isma Ski Classics, you know, the arena that you guys are uh, f- fighting in, is there anything you think could be changed, improved? Of course, every year is different. We get more things all the time. But anything from your perspective that you like to add or change? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I like uh, Isma Ski Classics. Uh... It's uh, it's unique. It's uh, for both elite and uh, hobby skiers, uh, so that's pretty unique, I think. I maybe miss uh, some skating uh, skating events that could be add, uh, added into the, into the cup, but I, I like the concept as it is now. And then what about the challengers? That that was a good addition to the. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the challenger is a great way to spread out the word and also getting some of the big stars going for results in smaller competitions. Um, it uh, yeah, it also get a new status that can attract more participants and. Uh, it also gives uh, the elite skiers to achieve uh, 50 points uh, in the yellow bib. So that's also a tactical part of the game. 
So have you decided which challenger event you will do next year to get those 50 points? Uh, I haven't decided it uh, yet. We will see uh, which uh, challenger race we will uh, keep focusing uh, to start in. So now I think it's time for us to find out who you really are. So we have been talking about skiing and Bismarck Ski Classics, your team, and so forth. But next, let's open the door to the world of Stian Berg. Let's go back to your childhood. Those days when you were a kid playing with the other kids. How were you? What kind of, what kind of a person? What kind of a child were you at that time? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm born in Arvrum, a uh, small city east in Norway. I was starting early to do skiing, uh, approximately two three years, uh, I think. Um, I went home round around the house uh, and liked to be an active uh, kid. Uh, I played a lot of football and many hours outside. Uh, then I started to uh, focusing on traditional skiing uh, in the middle of the youth uh, years. I moved to Trysil uh, when I was uh, 16 and started to ski gymnasium there. The last uh, six, seven years I've been in Lillehammer. That's my history uh, from uh, from my childhood to now. What were your goals back then when you were you know, 15, 16, 17 years old? Uh, my goals uh, was to be, uh, be one of the best traditional skiers, but uh, it changed. So after I tried uh, some... Uh, uh, some ski classics races in 2018. I think it was uh, more fun to double pole and do mass start. And I also thought my results in Marcia Longa and Tobla Cortina in 2018 was uh, better than my results in traditional skiing. Um, so then I decided to 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 do a little game changer uh, yeah was it an easy decision at the time it was easy uh, after i have uh, had the contact with vetle he gave me some opportunities and yeah i have i've been struggling with uh, with the tradi- traditional skiing um so it was uh, it was a hard decision, but um, I liked uh, to ski in must start, and I've always been uh, a fan of double poling. And when the traditional skiing started to uh, uh, stop the double poling in the races, uh, I saw the opportunity to maybe be a long distance skier. So what else is close to your heart besides skiing? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) You just ski every day. (laughs) I'm a skier and uh, I like to ski. Um, I do some uh, work uh, besides uh, being a skier. 
What kind of work, if I may ask? Uh, I work with a person who cannot take care of herself as a support contact. So I need some money to, to live here in Lille. So that's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, good way to get the, get the money to live here and train and be a better skier. Is that a full-time job or part-time? Uh, yeah, it's uh, actually a full part uh, work. Um, but it's uh, only seven days uh, in a month. And I get free when I need for the races and traveling. So it's uh, it's a good solution where I am now. So what, what about studying, anything like that? Are you Have you considered that? Uh, I've been studying for six years here in, uh, in Lillehammer. Uh, but I was uh, finished uh, last year. First do, did some subjects in organization and management and... Then I uh, changed to sports science. So you pretty much graduated. You're done. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, now I want to keep focusing on uh, on my career as a skier and uh, working beside. And so for uh, we we will see after the career uh, as a skier. Do you have any idea what that could be? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> I, I keep focusing on being a skier now, and that's all. <laughs> so how do your friends uh, describe you as a person? Or do you even know? Uh, good question. <laughs> I, I think I'm a kind and a funny guy who is really into my sport and uh, do everything to be be as best as I can be. Are, you, are all your friends from a skiing world, or do you have some friends that have nothing to do with skiing? Uh, almost all my friends are uh, are skiers too. Some are finished with their their career. My my nearest friends are skiers too. So since you're so focused on skiing, do you have any family plans? Uh, no, uh, not now. You'll find a wife and get married and get yeah, kids and stuff. I got uh, a girlfriend now, but uh, we will see what uh, what will bring up. So how were your parents? Uh, my parents uh, have been uh, an important part of me, especially my father. He also was a skier until he was uh, 20, 21, and like to do the job uh, as, a, uh, as a serviceman now. Uh, so my father has been a very important part uh, for who I am uh, now, and he also helping me to reach my goals. And So it sounds to me that he's a sort of an idol to you, a good uh, inspiration. Is that what you are uh, thriving for as well? That they would like to be as as your father, same kind of a father one day yourself? Uh, yeah, he yeah, learned me a lot and uh, good idol for me. I'll, of course, I also want to, to do that when uh, I also get some kids if I get. 
Speaking of idols, who else can you name or mention as your inspiration besides your father? Uh, I got inspiration from a lot of people. People who have been great in sports, uh, but also good people outside the sport. Uh, it doesn't always need to be a specific person, but uh, things they do, um, things uh, that I believe in and think is cool and gives me inspiration, is values that I stand for. But if if I need to name uh, name one, uh, it has to be Axelund Svindal, the Alpine skier. Uh, he always came back after all the problems and uh, injuries and he was a uh, great uh, athlete and he he's always uh, on a positive mindset he's a great uh, idol a great name indeed and maybe one day you will be an idol to, to someone uh, but since you are spending so much time on skiing and it seems to be and it is your passion, of course. But I assume you still have a little bit of free time. So what else do you do? Do you listen to music? And if so, what kind? Do you watch movies, uh, TV shows? How do you spend your leisure time? I like to listen to music, both uh, when I rest and also when I train. Uh, but I also like to hanging around with uh, with my friends and just chilling and eat some uh, good food and yeah what kind of music hip-hop rock i can hear on everything but i like uh, club uh, house trance uh, music with some uh, music with some bass and then what about food you mentioned you like to eat and spend some time with your friends and have a good meal uh, yes, uh, but I like uh, I like everything, uh, but uh, pasta is uh, is a favorite. I eat pasta almost every day, so pasta is uh, a favorite meal. And what is the best place to uh, visit in Lillehammer? Maybe the uh, the ski jump hill in Lyskorsbakken, famous uh, hill from back in the. Uh, where there was Olympics here in uh, 1994. It's a nice area here in uh, Lillehammer. Any good restaurants or anything? Because we have a race there, as you know, Birke Benerin, and it's there. So yeah. a lot of people will come over, and now they would like you to tell them where to go for uh, good meal. I like to cook by my own. Uh, I don't uh, eat that much uh, outside. Uh, so welcome uh, to your house then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're pretty much at a point where we can start wrapping up. But I'm going to ask you one last question, which is really tough. Since we talked about Max Novak, and of course he will be strong next season, yeah. how are you going to beat him? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it will be in interesting, the, the fight against Novak uh, this season. I will try to defend uh, the bib uh, but i also want to develop my capacity and fight for uh, better results in the end so we will see how i will uh, attack the season and each event i think uh, i will g 
get uh, hard competition in uh, in Max uh, also this uh, season. And how well will your team, Team Cafe Brukeriet, do this season? I think we will do it uh, very, very great. This year we also have two girls uh, with us, um, so we will be better represented to fight for the team competition. So uh, I think Team Cafe Brugge will be among the best uh, teams this year. That's indeed a big change for you guys because now you are fighting for the, you know, the top team uh, positions you know, in the team competition. But thank you, thank you very much, Stian Berg. Good luck to you. Keep training, and pretty soon we'll see how well you and your team uh, will perform when the new season kicks off. Yes, thanks to you too. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.